Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. This series here called This Time Next Year, and uh, Pastor JJ has done an awesome job on the opening few weeks, and, and he's given me this responsibility or assignment for today to, to move on in this series called This Time Next Year, I Won't Regret What I Didn't Do. It's really a series where in 2020, you're fast forwarding to 2021, and as you look back, or so we're saying, this time next year. I won't regret the things that I did not do. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have done one or two or 12 things in your life that you regret? Come on, raise your hand right now. You say, yeah, there, there have been a couple, all right? So I'm not, I'm not trying to move you into and slide you back into depression. Don't worry about it. That was then, this is now. But you know what? When you read articles or you listen to podcasts and you find out when people get down to the end of their life and you talk to them about reflections and, and looking back over their lives and particularly regrets, more time than not, people will talk about things they regret not doing than they do the things that they regret that they did do. So while we all have things, we say, man, I wish that I had not done that. As we start 2020, we have the ability to do forward thinking and say, if I can project into 2021, what do I want to think about that will be at that point where I am right now to where I say, I don't want to regret something this year that I did not do. There are some things in your hearts probably already that, that you know that you would want to do, or let me rephrase that, things that you feel like God wants you to do, and for whatever reason, up to this point, you haven't done it. For some of you, this is the year that you write that letter, and you know the letter that I'm talking about. For some of you, this is the year that you quit putting it off, you, you make that phone call. The relationship that's estranged, the, the relationship that's gone cold, and, and it's a stalemate, and nobody's reaching out, and, and so you want to say, man, this time next year, I want to look back with no regret and know that I took a bold step, a courageous step, and I do what I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart to do. For some of you, this is the year that you take that class or that you go back to school. For some of you, this is the year that you go ahead and, and you get your license to, to serve in foster care and to foster children. For some of you, this is the year that you take that leap of faith and you go ahead and you start the process of adoption. Oh man, there are all kinds of things that could be in your heart and things that the Lord would want you to do in 2020. And this series is all about don't live with regrets. This time next year, I won't regret what I did not do. Well, even as you read your Bible, you find that there are stories and places where people did things that they regretted and others who trusted the Lord and stepped out in faith. And as a result, they were able to look back with fulfillment instead of regret. So many that we could look at and learn from. But today I want to take you to a story in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we can put it up here on the screens. 
so you can read along with the Sky Bible up here, okay? Luke chapter 18, and this is the story uh, commonly referred to as the story of the rich young ruler. Luke chapter 18, are you ready for this word today? Come on, are you hungry for this word today? Why don't you tell your neighbor right now, I love Jesus more than you do. Well, go ahead and tell them that right now. I'll tell your other neighbor right now, I know I love him more than you do, a lot more than you do. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 and following, let's jump into it. It says, a certain ruler asked him, him being Jesus, a certain ruler asked Jesus. Now, that's all it says here as we look in Luke. But this story is a true story. It's a real story. It wasn't a parable, but it actually took place. And, and there are other uh, writers, other gospel writers in the New Testament, different guys who, who wrote about this same story, and they gave us just little bits of information from different perspectives to where we get a more complete picture of it. And so we learned a little bit more about this guy and several things that we'll learn even from reading here Luke 18. One would be is that this dude was wealthy. He didn't have just a little bit of money. It says that he was extremely rich. He had a lot of money. Matthew tells us that this dude was young. So this was a guy who accomplished much early in life. He was very successful early in his career. He had his entire life ahead of him, so to speak. We also know not only that he was wealthy and that he was young, but that he was a ruler. So that's why they called him the rich, young ruler. He had money. He had his life ahead of him, early success, and he had power. He had authority. This certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy's asking a question that every single one of us asks. Whether you're down and out right now in your season in life, it's all for the down and outers, but it's also for the up and outers. Listen, it doesn't matter if life is really at rock bottom for you right now and you're doing some soul searching, but if you would take long enough to be honest with yourself, even if things are going well for you, you could be enjoying the best of what this world has to offer, but when it gets quiet and when you reflect and search your heart, you, I would, just like this dude who had it all, we will realize that there's nothing in this world that can ever fill the void that only a relationship with Jesus Christ will fill. And this guy knew, I have all of this stuff, why do I still feel empty? I have people who, who listen to me, who, who serve me, I have all that money could buy, but it's, it's not enough, why do I still feel empty? And so he comes to Jesus and recognizing Jesus as a teacher, recognizing that Jesus has all of this popularity and people are talking about his wisdom, he comes to him and he says, good teacher, what do I have to do to experience eternal life? The truth of the matter is, is that all of us are aware of the reality that life on this earth at some point is going to come to an end. You do realize that, right? So you're like, nah, I eat my Wheaties. Listen, I do jumping jacks. I, I, I take my vitamins. I use essential oils. Okay, whatever you do, that's great. But how many of you know at some point with your healthy self, it's over? You can live to be 90, you can live to be 100, you can live to be 190, but at some point, it's over, and then what? 
will this guy think and searching? So he's looking in his heart. I'm, I'm missing something, lacking, lacking something. He's thinking about what's next. And so he's just, Jesus, what do I do to be able to have peace? What do I have to do to have this assurance? I want to know, like, what do I have to do to have life forevermore? It's a great question. He's not just talking about the, the, the quantity of life. How many of you understand that eternal life is not just that it never ends, but eternal life is also a quality of life? Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Like when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, it's not that one day, someday, it's going to all be worth it all. Hang it in and just be miserable for Jesus, but one day it's going to be a payday. Listen, when you have Jesus Christ in your heart, in your life, heaven has already filled your soul. You have eternal life both right now and forevermore. It's quantity and it's quality. That doesn't mean that life is always easy. As a matter of fact, Life can be hard. Let's just take a vote. How many of you would say that life can be hard sometimes? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you would say that today has been a hard day? Raise your hand. Anybody had a hard week? Raise your hand. Anybody had a hard month? Come on. Anybody hard life? Raise both hands right now. It's like, man, it's just been rough. Anybody look forward to heaven enough to where you just think, man, today would be a great day for the rapture? Do you just feel that sometimes? It's like, I don't know when G the rapture, meaning Jesus is coming back for those who follow him. I, I don't know about you, but there are some days I'm like, Jesus, today would be perfect <laughs> for you to come back. I'm looking forward to, but until I get there, I have peace even in the midst of storms. Why? Because I possess eternal life. And this dude was saying, what do I have to do to get that? And I love Jesus' answer. Because sometimes when you read your Bible, you just got to pause and smile because Jesus is just like messing with people sometimes. I mean, very rarely did, did somebody just ask Jesus a question and he just answered it. Usually, they'd ask him a question, he'd ask them a question. And they're like, wait a minute, I, I had the first question. I mean, but he just messed with people sometimes. And listen to what this dude says, good teacher, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, why you call me good? I mean, he just like throws it back on him like that. This dude's wanting to talk about eternal life. And Jesus is like, why you calling me good? But when you keep reading, you realize it's because Jesus is setting him up because this answer is very, very meaningful. He said, no one is good except God alone. And as he continues, you see why he's doing that, because it says in verse 20, you know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, pause. Now listen, if you've read your Bible for a little amount of time, you probably are having some issues with Jesus' answer right here. If you know anything about God's love for us and, and how whenever we come to uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's never about what we can do, but it's always about what he's already done for us. We know that when it comes to having a relationship with God, it's never about this checklist of if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then God says, okay, now you're good enough. How many of you are thankful that God saved you with your messed up self? He just met you right where you were, and he said, I'll just take you. Because listen, we all have problems. We all have issues. Every stinking one of us. Tell your neighbor right now, I know you got issues. Go ahead, tell them that. I know you do. If you knew how much issues a person had now, you wouldn't even sat by them. Listen, we're all messed up people. We're messed up, all of us. So it's never about, I hope I can just be good enough and do enough right stuff. So that's why this is a problem. 
When this guy's saying, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have life? And Jesus starts rattling off a checklist. But anytime you see something like that, before you proceed to rebuke Jesus, just caution, it's never a good idea to rebuke Jesus. Can we agree on that right there? So there must be more to the story. So you just keep reading. And what is it that he's doing? He knows where this dude's heart is, and Jesus is meeting him right where he's setting this guy up. And so he says, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And now you're going to see why. Because check out homeboy's response. This is, gonna, this is hilarious. It should be hilarious to you. Check it out. Look at what he says. In verse 21, this dude's just like, nailed it. Awesome. Look at me. All of these I have kept since I was a boy. No, you haven't. I mean, this is hilarious. Have you met, ever met anyone who had zero self-awareness? Don't point at them. You know anybody like that? Like they're living in their own little world and the rest of everybody's going, hmm. <laughs> like, should we tell him? No, let's just let him go. You ever met anybody like that? Ever met anybody they thought they could sing? Like, I don't know, so their mama told them they could sing or something like that, and they just sing loud and proud, and you're just like, help them, Jesus. Deliver them, Lord. <laughs> Set them free, God. You know, just like, man, they just don't even know. Ever met anybody, they thought they were good in sports, and they just walk around with swag, you know, they're like, hey, what's up? You're like, man, you can't shoot. I mean, you can't play, but they just thought that they could. Just zero, this dude was like, that, 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 what else you got, man? I've been doing all of that since I was a boy. Zero, so I was like, no, you haven't. Don't you remember Jesus just said, no one is good except God and then starts rattling all this off. And it's like that dude just went, like, I didn't hear any of that. All I know is, I'm good. I got this. Nailed it. It kind of just reminds me of like this, this story of, of when I was playing all the way back day. And this is big time football. Big, back in junior high football. Let's just see a hand for all the athletes in the room. Come on, raise your hand. We're all the athletes. We're all the former athletes in the room. Raise your hand. Come on, all the former athletes. Right? <laughs> Anybody ever played Duck, Duck, Goose before? Raise your hand if you've ever played. Okay, so there are a few. All right. For those of you that did play sports, anybody ever have a crazy coach? It's just like a for real crazy coach. Because it seems like it's almost a prerequisite to be a cra uh, an effective coach or a successful coach. You've got to have a little bit of crazy in you. It just seems like that's just kind of how that works. I had a crazy coach when I was in junior high. Coach was just crazy. And, and just to show you, I'm not exaggerating or making that up. I'll just tell you parts of the story. But one would be that coach also taught geography. How our public school system allowed our coach to teach, I don't know, but somehow, some way. He slipped through the system, and he was my geography coach. And you're like, man, why are you saying you don't have to be disrespectful like that? I am, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying this in the most honoring way possible. But what I knew was on our first day of class, I came into class, and coach had a, a desk beside his desk for a student helper. I was like, what that's all about? What, what is that all about? I, I quickly realized what it was. It was that coach needed help from time to time. For example, he said, first day of class, I'm going to put everybody in alphabetical order. When I say the first letter of your last name, won't you stand up and get in line? Everybody's last name starts with an A. Get up. All the people's last name started with A, got up and got in line. B's. I need all the B's. Your last name starts with a P. Get in line. They all got in line. C's. And everybody's last name starts with C. Get up and get in line right here. All the C's stood up. And he looks over at the student, the student goes, D's. D's. I, oh, coach doesn't know his ABCs. 
This is crazy. Coach is teaching geography. He said, over here, right here in Ethiopia, here's what's going on. And the, the, the helper has to say, Coach, it's, it's on the other side. He'd be like, oh, over here in Ethiopia, here's what's going on. Like, Coach, I didn't know where Ethiopia is. And he's teaching the class. One day after class, as I was walking out, my full name is Bruce Scott Gibbons, Jr. I go by Scotty. I'm named after my dad. But, but in, in class, because it was like that on the roster, the teachers in, in a lot of classes would call me Bruce. And whenever I left class, one day I was walking out of class, and Coach said, Bruce. I said, yeah, Coach. He said, hey, son, you ought to, you ought to come out and play football for us. I said, Coach, I, I'm Scotty. I'm, I'm your starting quarterback. He said, you Scotty? I was like, yes, sir. He's like, you're doing a good job, son. I was like, been playing for three years for Coach, and he doesn't even know me. Out on the field, Coach would want call one play, but he'd be meaning a different play. Like in, in, my, in his mind, it was one way, but he was expecting something else. So when you would run the play that he called, he would get mad at you because he thought that you ran it incorrectly. And what coach would do when he got mad at you is he would run towards you full speed. And you knew what was coming, but what are you going to do? Run from him and make him chase you all over the field? So you just stand there and brace yourself because here's what happened. He would jump wrap his legs around you, take you down to the ground, and he'd start hitting you. And, and now you're wearing a helmet, but coach is hitting you upside your head. Now I know for all the young folk in here right now, I know for the younger generation, you're hearing this and thinking, there's no way. He's embellishing this story. He's making it up. That would never happen. If that happened today, I would tell my mom. My mom would tell the principal. We would get a lawyer. That would never happen. Hey! Let me tell you something. Back in the day, who's with me? You know what I'm talking about. Back in the day, I'm not making this up. I'm toning it down. This is the church version I'm giving you right now. <laughs> he would just beat you. And then he'd get up, you know, you ah, you know, he's going to hit me again, you know. And the rest of the team's trying not to laugh at you. And coach is walking off. And here's what he did almost every single time. He said, hey, I want you to know something. I love you. It was always the weirdest moment ever. You're like, that just feels weird. You're like, coach, if that's what love is, I don't want anymore, right? I just don't want it. Don't. So we'd mess with each other at class at school. They'd be like, hey, bro, coach going to love on you today at practice. I mean, we would just have fun with it. But here's what's crazy about that is I just wonder how many times, like he, he was just obviously not aware of the fact that that's not what love looks like, what it is. And we're thinking, if that is what it is, I don't want it. And and yet, how many times God looks at our lives and we just feel like, nailed it. I got this going on. I came to church. You're welcome. <laughs> Dropped a little something in the bucket when it went by. Thank me later. We look at our righteousness and we feel pretty good about ourselves because after all, we're not as bad as he is. Certainly not as bad as she is. So I'm kind of doing all right. And God's going, I hear what you're saying. I even hear what you're singing. But there's this huge breakdown between your belief and your behavior. And we're just like unaware as if God's supposed to be impressed or God's supposed to be pleased. Now, here's what, here, make sure you understand what I'm not saying. 
It's never about how good we can act to earn God's love. But it is about being aware enough to know that when we come to praise Him, there should be a heart of humility. There should be a, a, this, this sense of thanksgiving that as we praise Him, we're going, God, I know I don't deserve it. God, I know that I haven't earned it. But I thank you that you're a God who loves me. I thank you that you're a God who never gives up on me. I thank you that you're a God who accepts me. Come on, aren't you thankful that He loves you just the way you are? But when we lean in and say, but I desperately need you, he says, come on, let's go on a journey. And he starts taking us from where we've been to where he wants us to be. And so he says to this guy, okay, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. In verse 22, when he heard this, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Somebody say one thing. Come on, shout one thing. You still lack one thing. And check out what it is. Go sell, what does it say? Everything. Don't you love that answer? <laughs> He's like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. She's like, oh, that is so good. Oh, there's just one more thing. Everything has got to go. Here's just this one more piece, and dude, you're going to be cool after this. you got to sell out and give it all, sell all that you have, and Jesus says, and go give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He basically said to this dude, you need to give it all up because it's what's holding you back. And for some of us, our biggest regret is not that we're doing some things right, is that we want to give God a lot of things. We just don't want to give him everything. And of all of the things that I could regret, I don't want to come that close to freedom, that close to God-given purpose, that close to eternal life, and then fall that eternally short. Can you imagine the fact that this dude is probably like 24 inches away from the one who said to the world, be there, and it was? He was looking into the eyes of eternal life. That's how close he was. But he couldn't connect the dots because he had Jesus framed up a certain way. And he thought that heaven should be grateful for the life that he had lived up to that point instead of recognizing that when you come to God, you don't negotiate. You don't come and give some of your heart or a lot of your heart. You come and you forsake all and you give all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to loving Him and serving Him all of your days. He says, now you know what it is to experience the eternal life that I have for you. As we get ready to wrap up, I, I really just want you to see this guy's response and let it bring us to a point of provoked thought and reflection. Jesus said, sell everything, give it to people who will never be able to pay you back, and then you have treasures in heaven. He's not saying that because everybody needs to sell everything and give it to the poor before you can be a Christ follower. He's speaking to this guy's issue, and all of us have issues. No matter how big it may seem or how small it may seem, let go of it all. And so he says to this guy, give it all up. And it says in verse 23, some of the scariest, saddest words in all of Scripture. Verse 23, when he heard this, the rich man became very sad because he was very wealthy. 
for whatever reason, what he wanted the most and needed the most, he couldn't overcome with what he was holding the tightest. He couldn't let go of it. Sometimes we allow hurts. We allow comforts. We allow familiar sin. We allow stuff that we just are not willing to let go to keep us from what we want most or need most. And of all of the things that we could regret, when it gets to 2021, may we not say as we look back, I regret not giving my everything to God and surrendering my all to the Lord. Until you do that, then the job that you're praying for or the relationship that you wish that you had or the school that you want to attend, none of that matters until you're right in your walk with God. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite every single one of you who want to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to give you that chance and the opportunity. You don't have to wait till next year. You don't have to wait till the end of this year. Today is your day to know that when you walk out of these doors today, I'm right with God. It's time to go all in. I'm going to pray for a second group as well. There are people in here today that, man, you love God. You know God. You can't wait for heaven. You're looking forward to heaven. Listen, I'm telling you, and I mean this sincerely, I pray almost every single day, come back, Jesus. I'm just ready. I'm ready to be with God where there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more depression, no more loneliness, no more abuse, no more brokenness. I'm just ready for heaven. But I'm still here. And you're still here. And my heart's still beating and your heart is still beating because God wants us to bring one more person with us on our way into heaven. Oh man, let's not live with any regret in that area. You're a part of a church that is a thriving church. You're a part of a place that God has raised up in these last days to represent Christ to this world. I might even say to represent or to re-present Christ to the people in your world. See, there are a lot of people who are turned off to church and they think that church is boring or church is lame or church is weird and the truth of the matter is most of them are. Let's just be honest. But they've never been to a place like this where there are real people who serve a real God who come with all of our faults and flaws and just say, I thank God that he takes me just as I am. And God is waiting for you to be a bringer. As I prayed over this message, I really felt in my heart that God wants to bring to your attention the significant purpose and role that he has for Journey Church. I don't pretend like I have it fully understood or that we can even grasp it. But I just want you to know, because sometimes you can be so close to it, you don't realize what you're a part of. What's happening here at this place is not normal. Many of you, you've come to know Christ since attending here, so you just don't even know anything else. But there are others of you, you have been a part of churches perhaps in the past, and so you have a little bit of an understanding, this is not normal. What God is doing in this place is exceptional. And yet I would say to you that from this point forward, God does not want this church to double. He doesn't want this church to triple. God does not want this church to quadruple. 
God wants to expand the reach, the impact of this and, and the influence of this church in a way that is beyond our wildest imagination. God wants to use this church to expand his reach to people who would perhaps never darken a door of a church or people who feel like God's forgotten them or given up on them, but God is raising up Journey Church to be a light in this dark world, and we can do it if we'll go all in. So pray for your church. Pray for your leadership. When you are at the tip of the spear of a move of God, I'm telling you, all of hell comes against you. I'm telling you. Every time I get ready to get on an airplane and go and preach, my wife takes a deep breath because she knows here it comes. She knows what spiritual warfare is all about. The devil does not like it that you know Jesus and that you're going to heaven, but he gets really ticked off when you start now trying to bring somebody with you. That's what Journey Church is all about. And if he can attack the leadership, he thinks he can bring down this church. Commit to praying for your leadership. Commit to being a bringer. I'm not here to be a spectator. I'm not here just to be like, hey, feed me, entertain me. No, I want to be a soldier in this army. I want to serve this place. God has a role for you in this house. And a lot of times we think, man, everybody should just be glad that I'm here. Listen, somebody made a place for you. Somebody welcomed you. Somebody's watching your kids while you're in here. What's your role? How can you serve in this house? I wish I had time, man. I'm getting fired up on this, but I'm going to bring the plane in for a landing. Let me just say this. This is good soil. Sow your heart into this place. And you watch the kind of return. You watch the kind of fruit that will come on this place and in your personal life as you spend yourself for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray over you right now. I want to pray first for those of you that you already know God, you love God, you're serving God. I just want to pray a blessing over you that God would use you in his house to make a difference. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd fill us with your power. I pray that you'd give us divine appointments to talk to people about you and to be a bringer to invite people to Journey Church, that we would use our gifts in this house. We don't want to live with any regret. We don't want to spend our time or talent or treasure on building our own agenda, our own kingdom, Lord. I pray that the people in this room would build your house and your church as they serve wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes still closed. I want to pray for a second group. Those of you that you aren't right with Jesus Christ, man, you came in here for whatever reason you feel like brought you here. I want you to know God cares about you. He brought you here because he wants relationship with you. Hear me. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Hear me. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how dark your past. It doesn't matter how dirty you feel. I want you to know no matter what you've done or where you've been, God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. I want you to know that he's not given up on you, so don't you dare give up on him. The truth of the matter is this. You are one second away from never having another chance to be right with God. You are one heartbeat away from never having another opportunity. After your life on this earth comes to an end, you've sealed your fate for all eternity. If you're not right with God, I want you to know that the other reality is you're one heartfelt prayer away from having your life totally and completely changed from the inside out.
You can leave this place today knowing I'm right with God. And if you just say, Scotty, I need to commit or recommit my life to Christ. Scotty, I want to go to heaven instead of hell. Scotty, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you want to be included in that prayer and surrender your life to Christ, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. One, two, three. Come on, all over the room, just raise your hand up. Yeah, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Anybody else? Raise it up. Thank you, Lord. Hands up all over the room. Keep your hand up. And now let's all pray this prayer together out loud. Everyone say, Dear God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Today I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my heart. I give you my everything. Thank you for washing me and making me white as snow. You are the king of my heart and the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.